Hello, and welcome to the podcast devoted to helping you win the race Christ has marked out for you. Today we take a break from our study of the armor of God to examine a huge cause of marriage failure that sneaks up on many men, even Christian men, who never see it coming. A careful examination of what divorcees say was missing in their marriages reveals time and again that what was lost was the closeness that we call intimacy. Of course, there are many factors that contribute to the loss of closeness, but here is a primary one. During the dating and engagement phases of a relationship, sharing hearts and lives is easy. Feeling close is effortless. So we enter marriage expecting intimacy to just happen especially with the additional benefit of living together and having regular sex. But it doesn't just happen. The intimacy required for successful marriage happens because a couple devotes themselves to pursuing that intimacy in their relationship. This episode looks into scripture for the wisdom to know how to do that. Welcome to season number two, episode number 15 of Mission Focused Men for Christ. My name is Gary Yeagle, and our topic today is God's design of marriage. I know that this topic does not leave the single guys out because I myself did not marry till I was 31. But in my single years, I wanted to learn as much about successful marriage as I could before I made the plunge. Now, if you are married, this episode might be also one that you want to share with your wife. That's, of course, your call. Let's begin with God's design of marriage. One fundamental purpose of the male-female love union in marriage is to reflect the image of God. Man cannot fully bear God's image in isolation because God exists as the Trinity, the union of three persons who love one another, which is why we are told God is love. So we read in Genesis, then God said, let us make man in our image, in our likeness. So God created man in his own image. In the image of God, he created him, male and female, he created them. A second purpose of marriage is to give us a foretaste of the joy we will experience when we are forever united in love to Christ, our bridegroom. We, the church, are betrothed to Christ as his bride. The final return of Christ to receive us to himself is portrayed as the wedding of the Lamb. The richest pleasures of sexual union are actually a type, a foreshadow of the intense joy that will be ours when we are united to Christ. This astonishing truth is spelled out by Paul, who writes, For this reason a man will leave his father and mother and be united to his wife, and the two will become one flesh. This is a profound mystery, but I am talking about Christ and the church. A third purpose for marriage is revealed in the creation account where marriage is designed by God to overcome the aloneness of Adam. Each part of the creation narrative closes with God's statement, and it was good, until the creation of man. After Adam is created, God says it is not good that man should be alone. In naming the animals, Adam realizes that none can be a true partner to him. They cannot overcome his loneliness. 
So God creates a woman to be his partner, soulmate, and lover. The Lord God said, It is not good for the man to be alone. I will make a helper suitable for him. These three purposes come together in a single clear focus. God's goal for marriage is loving intimacy between husband and wife. Eve is created with a spirit, heart, and body which correspond to Adam's. She is bone of his bone and flesh of his flesh. Marriage is the joining together of two lives, that is, mind, will, and emotions, and the joining of two bodies. That's what marriage is, Genesis 2.24. Therefore, a man shall leave his father and his mother and hold fast to his wife, and they shall become one flesh. Marriage is given as the one safe arena where husband and wife are naked, body, soul, and spirit, laid bare and vulnerable to each other. Adam and Eve's like natures, combined with their covenant pledge of unconditional love, make safe the experience of bearing their hearts and bodies to one another. It enables them to experience loving intimacy, oneness of spirit, oneness of heart, oneness of body. So again, the goal of marriage is to be able to be naked, body and soul, and so loved and accepted that you never feel ashamed. Genesis 2.25, the man and his wife were both naked and they felt no shame. An old-fashioned way to express God's goal for our marriages is the word intercourse. Intercourse actually means literally connection between persons. It is both conversational interaction that connects two souls and sexual interaction which connects two bodies. Now you men can go and talk to your wives and tell them you learned on this podcast that the goal of marriage is intercourse. And then they'll never let you listen to this podcast again. But actually, intercourse is a good old-fashioned word because it really does mean both conversational interaction and sexual interaction connecting bodies. So God wants Christian couples to proactively pursue his goal for their marriage, intimacy, both the union of soul and the union of body. Let's dig a little deeper. Loving each other in a God-honoring marriage means pursuing conversation which leads to oneness of soul. Sharing our experiences, feelings, ideas, plans, hopes, and dreams is the path to the oneness of soul God wants married couples to enjoy. It requires making time regularly to talk in a relaxed way that allows mates to open their hearts to one another and actively listening to seek to understand our mates' feelings and ideas. It means overlooking our mates' weaknesses and deficiencies so they're not afraid to be known as they really are, but instead feel safe, accepted, and valued. It is to know the joy of sharing with another the deepest secrets of each other's hearts and feeling understood. It is to never feel alone because you are walking through life hand in hand with your soulmate. Barbara Rosberg, in her book jointly written with her husband, gives us a crisp picture of the target here. She writes, The word intimacy comes from a Latin word that means innermost. What this translates into for those of us in the marriage relationship is a vulnerable sharing of our inner thoughts, feelings, spirit, and true self. Both men and women need to feel secure in this sharing and confidence of their spouse's support. 
This support is achieved through listening, empathy, prayer, and reassurance. So loving each other in a God-honoring marriage means pursuing conversation. It also means pursuing lovemaking, which leads, of course, to oneness of body. Numerous studies show a strong correlation between a couple's satisfaction with their marriage and their satisfaction with their sex life. In Song of Songs, God enters the bridal chamber where the newlyweds lay entwined in each other's arms and urges, eat, friends, drink, and imbibe deeply, O lovers. Sexual union is the outward physical expression of the inner emotional and spiritual reality of oneness. It is similar in this sense to communion. The wine and the bread are outward physical signs and seals which point to an inner spiritual reality, feeding on Christ for spiritual nourishment. Sexual union is an outward physical joining of two bodies which expresses the inner spiritual union of two hearts, giving each other the nourishment of love. Just as celebrating communion strengthens our love relationship with Christ, so sexual union strengthens our love relationship with our spouse. One pastor's wife, Ann Ortland, writes, Lovemaking is the most practical, binding, and enriching experience of all of married love. There is one person who knows you and wants to know you more, better than anyone but God. And that is why God gave you sex, to interact at the deepest possible human levels. Your sex life as a married couple will make your self-esteem go up or down. So the biblical design for loving intimacy in marriage exalts both oneness of soul and oneness of body. Biblically, the human body is not considered inferior to the soul, nor the soul inferior to the body. Joining bodies in sex, apart from joining lives in marriage, is condemned as wrong in 1 Thessalonians 4.3. But joining lives in marriage without joining bodies in sex is also condemned as wrong in 1 Corinthians 7.5. Biblically, body and soul belong together. Unlike pagan philosophies like Gnosticism, Christianity has always upheld a high view of the physical body and therefore of sexual union. There is no biblical reason to think God takes any less pleasure in a married couple's sexual union than in their spiritual union. God designed them for both. This two-sided coin of intimacy, both emotional and sexual, opens the door to an intimacy misconnect. Studies show that normally a wife's deepest yearning is for intimacy of heart and soul. God designed men, though, so that a husband's strongest yearning is usually for oneness of body. That is, of course, sex. Christian counselor Gary Rosberg observes this reality, for example, in the counseling room. He writes, quote, No matter how many times I hear couples lament their differences in the counseling room or at conferences, it's the same story. Men spell intimacy S-E-X, and women spell it T-A-L-K. A wife longs for spiritual oneness and emotional closeness. She yearns to share at the level of the heart. Barbara Rosberg, in the same book, reveals, After unconditional love, women indicated that emotional intimacy was their second most important need. For a wife, spiritual emotional oneness precedes sexual desire. 
She needs to feel in love in order to want to make love. Sex is a celebration of the closeness she already feels, which enables her to open up her body to him. Rosberg tries to explain this feminine hardwiring to husbands. She writes, men, your sex drive is connected to your eyes. You become aroused visually. Your wife's sex drive is connected to her heart. She is aroused only after she feels emotional closeness in harmony. You feel less masculine if your wife resists your sexual advances. Your wife feels like a machine if she doesn't experience sexual intimacy flowing from emotional intimacy. God designed men so that a husband's strongest intimacy yearning is usually for oneness of body, sex. What makes him feel intimately connected to his wife is sex. Her eagerness to make love to him makes him feel loved and wanted. The yearning for oneness that God put into him is felt by him primarily as a yearning for sexual union. For him, sexual union brings back his feelings of closeness to his wife and feelings of love for her. He needs to make love in order to feel in love. Sexual arousal stirs his feelings for his wife. Her receptivity assures him that he is wanted. Sexual release makes him feel one with his wife, inclining him to open up to her about other things he is feeling. God built husbands with hormones that drive most men to desire sexual release frequently. Writers Linda Dillow and Lorraine Pinus try to explain the male sex drive to wives. They write, A man has 17 sexual glands. Like millions of energizer bunnies, these glands work day and night producing semen, which is stored in an inner sac in the testes. When the sac fills up, his testes tell his brain, Do something quick before I explode. A man's need for sex is not all in his mind. His sexual command center demands release from that accumulated buildup. So in a perfect world, making love refills the husband's emotional tank. He feels his love for his woman, which helps him think of her, make time to listen to her heart, and so on, which makes her feel close to him. Her feelings of oneness with her husband awaken her desire to make love, so she eagerly welcomes his advances, and so on. Ideally, this wonderful cycle fills their hearts with love for each other. But then there is the real world. In real marriage, emotional intimacy gets harder to maintain. When the honeymoon phase is over, our differences and the self-centeredness of our fallen nature begin to make themselves felt. Busy schedules and long to-do lists replace the delightful hours of sharing during courtship. Intimacy of heart and soul begins to fade. It gets harder and harder to find time to talk. And conversation, when it does happen, begins to center around the decisions and needs of the family, not the deep feelings of the heart. Disagreements on some subjects place them off limits for discussion, which further contributes to isolation. Career responsibilities increase, demanding greater time and energy. Couples drift more and more into their own worlds. In one study, 83% of women felt that their husbands don't even know the basic needs of a woman for emotional intimacy. Unintentionally, husbands rob their wives of the companionship and closeness they need in marriage. 
In view of how our wives are hardwired, here are two vital commitments we husbands need to make to Christ if we are to love them well. First, commit to the time and energy required to hear and understand what is going on in her heart and to share what is going on in yours. Oh, I wish I had made this commitment at the beginning of my marriage. The first achievement for the condition of understanding is the will to understand, writes Paul Tournier. The second condition is expressing oneself, and in order to express oneself, there must be a feeling of warm and kind receptivity and of attentive listening. What husbands don't realize is that just as their wife's eagerness to make love to him makes him feel loved, his eagerness to listen to how her day went makes her feel loved. And just as her lack of interest in sex makes him feel rejected, his lack of interest in hearing what is going on in her heart makes her feel rejected. The second commitment is one I did make, and that is this. Don't allow yourself to become too emotionally close to a woman who is not your wife. The fact that emotional closeness precedes the awakening of a woman's sexual desires is a sobering warning to us. So is the fact that so many married women are not having their emotional intimacy needs met by their husbands. Other than perhaps a drunken one-night stand on a business trip, affairs almost never start with sex, but with getting too close as friends. Men, we have to have emotional boundaries and help our wives set emotional boundaries that protect our hearts and relationship. Here are a few. First, don't get into an ongoing discussion with a woman about her marriage or yours. Second, be known as a warm, caring, listening guy, but don't treat any one woman at work specially. Being made to feel special is romance to a woman. Third, be especially guarded with either a woman you work with closely in your job or ministry or one you know happens to be especially attractive to you. Fourth, don't talk to a woman other than your wife about sexual things. In real marriage, not only is emotional intimacy tough to keep pursuing, but actually so is sexual intimacy. Busy schedules and tired bodies leave less energy for sex. Lovemaking can become infrequent, predictable, and boring. Often lovemaking slips to low priority. A wife's sexual desires get buried under the weight of the responsibility she feels for the kids, her home, her career, church, and so forth. Husbands often express affection only when they want sex, rather than regularly filling their wives' emotional tank with non-sexual affection. Wives can feel used and start to lose interest in sex. 83% of husbands, when asked, do you feel that women understand a man's sex drive, answered no. Husbands can get resentful, feeling that their wife takes care of everybody else's needs, but that their sexual needs, which righteously only she can satisfy, are low priority. A reluctant wife causes even Christian men to think, it's easier not to bother my wife. I'll find sexual relief through porn and masturbation. So here are two commitments to help our sexual intimacy stay vibrant. Number one, get into an accountability relationship with a brother where you are asked, have you looked this week at sexually explicit material? Our sex drive is a precious gift 
to be shared only with our wife or future wife. Love her too much to let Satan get away with corrupting your sexual desires. But there's a caveat. Don't ever let such accountability be shame-based, but rather built upon a grace-driven understanding that Christ's shed blood and love are more powerful than the ugliest of my sexual sins. The second commitment is to helping your wife understand that the biblical goal of marriage is intimacy from pursuing both conversational interaction, which connects two hearts, and sexual interaction, which connects two bodies. Specifically, help her understand the biblical teaching that for married Christians in the battle for sexual purity, the best defense is a great offense. In Proverbs 5, God says to married men fighting for sexual purity, Rejoice in the wife of your youth, a lovely deer, a graceful doe. Let her breasts fill you at all times with delight. Be intoxicated always in her love. Why should you be intoxicated, my son, with a forbidden woman? Help her understand God's design of your sex drive. Very few women realize that although they need to feel in love to want to make love, their husbands need to make love in order to feel in love. The masculine sex drive is not just an itch that men want scratched. It is God's physiological design to drive them back into the arms of their wives where, surrounded by their accepting warmth, love, and care, They realize again how precious their woman is to them and renew their desire to love her with all their heart. Women don't need sex to remember how much they love their husbands. So they don't understand that men do. I want to close our time by letting you know about some tools to help you and your wife pursue emotional and sexual intimacy together. One is the short 75-page booklet, Intimacy, God's Design for Marriage, Three Conversational Dates to Rediscover Intimacy in Your Marriage, written by my wife Sandy and me after we pushed through a major intimacy misconnect in our marriage. It is written so it can be read and used in the form of three dates together. It's available only on my website, forgingbonds.org, where you can read just a few of the many stories of marriages impacted by this book. A second free resource is a series of questions for you to go through together, perhaps tomorrow on Valentine's Day, that will help you get on the same page in the pursuit of emotional and sexual intimacy. The questions are in the show notes, along with a link to a PDF that you can print out. To summarize this episode, God's goal for marriage is loving intimacy for husband and wife to be naked and unafraid. He wants them to pursue and enjoy the pleasures of hearts and bodies joined together in love. However, neither the emotional intimacy nor sexual intimacy required for a healthy marriage happens automatically. It must be pursued. Studies show that typically a wife's deepest longing is for emotional intimacy, husband's is for sexual intimacy and that 83% of spouses think that their mate does not understand their need for intimacy. As spiritual leaders of our homes, we need to get our wives and ourselves on the same team as together we solve the intimacy misconnect with Christ's help on selfishly filling our mate's intimacy needs that we don't really understand and aren't the same as our own. 
The best way to team up to pursue intimacy in your relationship is to use some questions, which are provided both in the booklet, Intimacy, God's Design for Marriage, and in these program notes or the PDF link. Next week, we return to our Sunday night format and return to the armor of God. How can we remain full of trust in God when difficult things happen to us? In other words, how can we strengthen the spiritual muscles that help us lift up the shield of faith to protect us from the flaming darts of the evil one? For further information about our ministry, go to forgingbonds.org. And as we return more and more to our places of work, if this podcast has been helpful to you, don't forget to tell other Christian men about a podcast that helps them stay focused on their mission for Christ while they work out or commute.